Hi guys, welcome to yet another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host per usual, my name is Marcelo Nostroza, and I'd like to welcome you to episode number 80, entitled The Trek Collector. Okay guys, so in this edition of the show, I finally get to sit down with the man who made me realize that I wasn't alone in the love of the new direction of Star Trek after I saw the initial pilot for Star Trek Discovery. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Chris Judge. Welcome to the Red Wall, Chris. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> Delighted to be here. <laughs> I actually have had many people who are involved with the Star Trek fan community online. And where I like to begin with them is what was their first point of contact with Star Trek in general? Oh, it would be. So I'm based in the Republic of Ireland and we'd have British TV and it was being reruns of the original series on BBC two, I believe if I remember right. And just seeing the Enterprise, the old Enterprise for the first time and seeing the heroics of Captain James T. Kirk just drew me in and that was it. That was my first love, TOS, and <laughs> just got me hooked. So you obviously, as a child, didn't get the deeper meanings, the type of stories that they were telling on TOS. When you got older, did you understand the deeper meanings and sort of the hidden things that Gene Roddenberry was kind of going for? Did sort of give you a second layer to your love of Star Trek in general? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's funny when you say that. Yeah, as as a kid, you might skip over the the point of the episode. You're just looking for the action. Um, but yeah, when you go back and you see what the the actual true meaning of the show was, was absolutely fantastic. But one of the, one of the episodes, I can't think of the TOS name. I always forget this one. It's the one where the guy has white on one face, one side of his face, and black on the other side, and they're having war with each other because it's the opposite way around. And just even being young at that point just shows the stupidity of, say, racism. So from a young age watching that episode and just saying, what's the point? You just kind of like, you just brought that into society and say, you know, we are all the same. So as a kid, it was great kind of like being able to pick up what the episodes kind of were about and then when you go back as a grown-up and rewatch them and you go whoa okay now i get the point of that one as well so yeah now uh, tos and gene Roddenberry's vision has always been absolutely fantastic and then you moved into the next generation um again good morals good points and then deep space nine voyager enterprise you know and then discovery they've all been fantastic so it's, it's great like 55 years later you know, Gene's vision's still going there. And if it teaches people some of the good uh, in life, you know what I mean, to learn and educate people um, is great. You kind of uh, planted the seeds of where I wanted to go next. What's your overall opinion of new Star Trek? Uh, it's different. Um, you know what I mean? And I think the absence with Star Trek we like TOS left and um, for a long time and then 
the next generation came along. And like I think Patrick Stewart has said it several times, he lived out with a suitcase for the first few episodes because he didn't think it would be any success. Uh, there was a fan reaction to the next generation. And then the show by season three just took off. It just became so popular. And we got spoiled then from that because we got Deep Space Nine, we got Voyager and we got the aesthetics. And even when they went back to do Enterprise, you know, you had the same art department, you had the same creative guys that had worked on previous productions of Star Trek all working together and you had that look. So probably what I would say, like the Star Wars look of old Star Trek. And then new Star Trek came along and they just remodernized it, made it different for this age of TV. And I know it's kind of like upset some fans. Eh, you know, could have things been done right and stylized into the way it was done in the 90s? Maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe. Uh, could have been handled a little bit better, maybe as well as a fan. But overall, I do understand where they were coming from in the fact that, you know, if you're going to draw in an eight or a nine-year-old and do episodes that could enhance someone's way of life as in how to deal with situations and, you know, just to get a, a political point of view across. Um, yeah, it needs to be modern. It needs to look good. So I, I, I'm actually a big fan of Discovery, I have to say. I do really like the show. Um, I would be a little bit upset with, like, you know, the sizes of the ships, stuff like that. But you know what I mean? At the end of the day is... That's cosmetic. Um, the only one thing I would like, the only thing that I have for problem with new Star Trek is, you know, it's just so frustrating when you see the likes of the Mandalorian <laughs> coming along and it's just, you know, it's Star Wars. And then I think if you were to show, say, if you didn't say the names and a whole lot, if, if you went in and just showed a clip of, say, Discovery, you pro and you didn't show deltas or anything like that. People just say, "Oh, this is a new sci-fi show," and wouldn't get it. Star Trek. So I, I get that point with some fans. I completely agree with that. But if you if you show me a Star Wars clip and if and and if I see a clip from Discovery, I would definitely be able to tell which is which. But I think you're speaking to the general audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gen generally, wise, I think Discovery is good. I like it's it's TV is gone a certain way. Um, e episodic episodes seems to be a little bit of a thing of the past, and that's the way CBS went with Star Trek Discovery. And I do get that, but I think some of the fans are kind of getting a little bit tiresome because you had Star Trek Discovery doing this, then we had Picard, so an overall story arc for one season, which is great, but. The problem there that can get is unless you write out a really, really well-driven script for 10 episodes, you're running a danger because you have this big hype. And unless that hype is correct, when the, the big reveal of the show comes out, you could have a huge disappointment where if you go back to the episodic episodes, you know what I mean? It's done 40 minutes. You either like the big plot behind the story or you go, oh, that wasn't a great episode but you'll still watch the following week. So I am really looking forward to Strange New Worlds going back into that episodic format because I do think it works better for Star Trek. Um, I, I did, like, as I said, I, I, I actually liked the season ending for Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Just just made me think straight away. It seemed really TOS, and I know a lot of fans out there were kind of like a little bit disappointed 
that uh, child kelping destroyed the was the was the cause of the burn. But you know, I I enjoyed it. Let me get to the point why I asked you on this podcast. Uh, I have to thank you for my love of the Star Trek fan community because way back when, when Star Trek Discovery was first aired, when it first aired, the, the, the original pilot, the night that it aired, the very next day, I went online and I happened to be a giant fan of the gentleman who was looking over uh, current Star Trek. He's like the new Rip Berman. His name is Alex Kersley. You know who he is. Yep. So I'm a giant, I am a humongous fan of his. And I went online the next day and I had never seen so much toxicity towards something that I love. Like I, I, I almost felt like a man on an island because I love something. And I went on Twitter and I, I saw a few other places to where all this negative fan toxicity were throwing, you know, start to discovery over a bridge after one episode. Yep. And I got to such a point to where I was wondering, you know, am I really a fan of Star Trek? Do, do, do you know, am, am, am I really a true fan because I love the pilot so much? You probably don't remember this. You sent me a tweet and all you said was, I like it too. And <laughs> that, that one tweet gave me the breath of fresh air. Oh, thank God I'm not alone. <laughs> I have told this story multiple times on on my own podcast, on other uh, other shows that I've been on on YouTube, but I've never had the opportunity to speak to you personally. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I'm glad to, to, to like, you know, make somebody happy. But I, I think the biggest point out there is like this, this this nonsense to turn around and accuse a Star Trek fan and not being a Star Trek fan. If you like Star Trek Discovery and you don't like TNG and all the stuff in the 90s, and if you don't like TOS, you're still a Star Trek fan. If you like TOS and you don't like the rest of the Star Trek, you're still a Star Trek fan. You know, once you like a piece of Star Trek, you're a fan. We don't all have to like the same things. And there's just this negativity. Like, the sad thing is, it's easier for people to criticize something than, than to be positive about something. Like, I think I think the cast for Discovery is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, setting up the Facebook group with Damien Discovery uh, unofficial fan page and with a couple of lads, like, there's nearly 20,000 members in it. And... <laughs> <laughs> there's love for discovery you know what i mean and that's all that counts it's, it, it's what you enjoy so the one part of star trek fandom that really lets me down is this bickering and fighting and to turn around and say because someone likes new trek isn't a fan i'm i'm sorry that's just wrong um i enjoyed two years ago going to uh London, uh, a destination Star Trek, kind of like similar to the one that you, you guys would have in Las Vegas. And it was just nice and refreshing to see a new set of cast, some new actors that had come into the Star Trek fa family. And Mary Shifo was absolutely fantastic. She actually stole it from me by having a dance off with one of her fans, you know, which was absolutely amazing. But like, it's nice to see that. It's nice to see new characters come in. It's nice to go to a con and say, I really like that person. You know, if 
we didn't have Discovery, you wouldn't have Jason Isaac uh, at that one. And like Jason Isaac is a very well-known actor and it's not just Star Trek he's in. So, you know, it's great for fans to say, well, okay, I don't like Star Trek Discovery, but hey, Jason Isaac's over there. I'll get his autograph. <laughs> it's a win-win, you know? Yeah, no, the thing that really, you know, re-energized my love for Star Trek in general, because I've loved Trek, I've loved Star Trek in one way or another, my entire life, I grew up with the original series of films. And then when I got Netflix, I got I I, I found my love for TNG, uh, Enterprise. Uh, I'm still going through Voyager. And Deep Space Nine is one of my favorite Star Treks of Absolutely. all time. It's brilliant. <laughs> I, yeah, I have not finished. Uh, this is probably where you're going to shoot me. I have not finished it because one of my favorite characters of all time, uh, played by Terry Farrell, Jazia uh, Dax dies, and I have not been able to get past that point. But I, I will. I've promised so many other people that I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish D Space Nine because at this point I just have to put up and shut up and just get through the fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, Star Trek was resurrected with the 2009 J.J. Abrams film, and it's and it's no accident that J.J. Abrams is one of my he is my favorite writer and he's my favorite writer director working today and the two co-writers who wrote star trek 09 are one of my favorite writing duels of all time so i think having the having the star trek negative fan community hop on my favorite creators really intensified that feeling for me because i i i ran into such such vitriol and such hate for um for what new star trek was it, it was just it was just unbelievable but i'm so happy now um that i am past that and i am i am a part of a positive star trek community and i can move forward the one thing with the jj's like i came out and you know there is that side of fan where you say oh the enterprise could have looked better blah 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 this why did it change to blue like, you know, come here. I, I enjoyed 2009. Destroying Vulcan, I don't know what the point of that was. But anyhow, <laughs> there's nothing, nothing to worry about that. But what I loved was listening to non-Star Trek fans coming out and going into a cinema and coming out and saying, Jesus, that was very, very good. And you're there like, deadly. That's that, that's great. That's, that's a new generation that's getting hooked on Star Trek. So... Uh, it that's you know it, look we always have our comfort tv for the the, the, the the star trek fan that's out there that doesn't like the new star trek um look we still we've got netflix we've you know what i mean we can binge watch our old trek you just need to switch off for a while and then re- go back to it uh, i'm 100 percent with you with terry farrell <laughs> season six i was nearly gonna give up deep space nine after that i know everything that happens i just have to get to it yeah. so if you want to it, if you want to spoil go ahead it's no but i i feel sorry for nicole to burr because like it's not her fault <laughs> but um i'm actually looking at the corner of my room i have a photograph with uh terry farrell and nicole and the only reason why i have that photograph is the fact that terry's in the photograph yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh te- terry knows that she's my favorite tax and that that's it you know so uh yeah it was, it was a sad moment of deep space nine 
But like, I think it's great in some senses as well. That like we had the DS9 documentary that came out for the older fans, which 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 is nice. And then with the Voyager documentary coming out, and hopefully, maybe down the line we'll get an Enterprise documentary. And you know that's still tying into the old Star Trek. And then like, there's so much on the horizon. Strange New Worlds, I'm really looking forward to, and I believe they're all already making a few tweaks to kind of make it more tie in with the original show which is really really cool so you know they are listening to fans and they seem to have been listening to fans from the get-go they've made the few changes where you know fans have given out and what more can you ask for like the the i know a lot of fans are giving out but they say that the visuals with the ships in some of the episodes you can't see them (laughs) and everyone wants their ship porn so that's probably hopefully um with the next season of stuff like you know we'll get better visuals with ships because like part of the star trek fandom just loves ships <laughs> like all the ships behind me here but i know majority of fans love the ships so hopefully please please god <laughs> when you heard that akiva goldsman basically pitched uh star trek strange new worlds the first time that he entered the Star Trek Discovery writer's room in season one. Uh, when you heard that story, if you heard that story, were you kind of put at ease when you find out when, when you found out if you found out that he is the lead, one of the lead writers on Star Trek Strange New Worlds? And he basically pitched the whole goddamn thing from day one to Alex and everybody else. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think you know, when you go back to the glory days of Star goes back to this same thing tv at the time episodic episodic then we had deep space nine and iris Stephen bear went now bugger that you know what i mean um doing a three part and then like you know what i mean no we're gonna have a season arc and rick berman giving out the ira and saying no you know what i mean i just think it's great for like that i think where a lot of people didn't jump on the deep space nine bandwagon they didn't realize what they were missing out because all of a sudden we had a Star Trek show that had a bigger plot throughout the whole seven seasons, which made it more interesting. Yes, they had standalone episodes, but yes, you had the Dominion War and the Founders, which was brilliant. But you had your TNG that you could just sit down, and if you missed an episode nine times out of ten, it wouldn't make a difference um, if it was a two-parter. And if you did miss one, if you didn't have a video recorder, you didn't set your video, you were kind of bunched until the reruns came in the summer. But uh, I think it was a breath of fresh air because the first thing that we all hoped then was it was going to be episodic. And that was confirmed. And that's what you want. And Pike, I think the the bridge design, the uniforms, Aston Mount, Eaton Peck, they're perfect. Pecker Romaine, come on. Yeah, yeah. They're just fantastically cast. And it just screams screams show and i remember talking at that dst aston was there and i say are you getting the show are you getting the show and he couldn't say (laughs) but i think i'd say every fan asked at that time they have to make they have to make it they have to give you a show and i think it's nice to see a circle complete as well that you're gonna see the five years of captain pike on the enterprise before kirk so really cool i'm gonna be interested to see if they can plan it and say it's going to be five seasons along, it'd be really cool to see kind of like CGI image of a young James T. Kirk 
and Pike doing a handover of the ship would be like you know to end that series would be amazing. But <laughs> we wait and hope. But I think I, I think it's going to be a great show. So you don't think that Star Trek, either Star Trek Strange New Worlds or Star Trek Discovery is going to run that traditional seven season sweet spot anymore? I don't. I, 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 from what I heard, I think the Discovery cast are locked into five seasons. So I know there was rumors about another movie coming up and I went, hmm, that's kind of strange. So if you take four, okay, is that going to be a Discovery movie? Because... You know what I mean? They're probably finishing up the last season. I, I I'd like to see you know, I'd like to see the shows go on, but again, with actors and stuff like that, I can understand as well. But acting like if if they spend too long doing these roles, they worry about their careers and stuff like that. Um, I just don't want to see characters just get killed off for the sake of you know, an actor has another opportunity to go because that format has always worked before in the past. So I I heard it was five seasons of Discovery. I don't know how true that is. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I'd, I'd like to see it go seven, but I'd like to see that they have a set in mind where they can wrap things up really, really nice. You know, not like a Voyager Endgame where it's all kind of like thrown together and it's a, it's a rush job, even though they did know that mm. <laughs> it was going to be the last episode. But, a nice, nice, nice ending to uh, the series when they when they do meet their end. And hearing you talk, I'm thinking to myself, "What the fuck am I thinking about?" Of course, Akiba Goldsman, Alex Kurtzman, they have a plan for multiple seasons of Star Trek Discovery and start, uh, you know, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. So I would think that they have sort of a roadmap that they want to that 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 they, that they want to go down. I would just hope. That, you know, because I love uh, 90s Berman Star Trek. So I, I got used to seeing that seven season run. But mm. I, I do I do understand with the with the way of current television that it might behoove them to 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 do a little less. But I wouldn't I wouldn't want that to sort of get in the way of the story that Akiva wants to tell and Alex along with Michelle Paradise, want to tell for Star Trek Discovery. So mm. um, I don't I don't know how it's going to go, but I, I, I'm hoping for seven seasons. But that's the that's the greedy fan Star Trek there's, fan in me. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, it's just great that like there's so much Star Trek coming out, like Lower Decks is due to come back in August, which is a great show as well, actually. And one that we I forgot to mention, like it, it, it's just that comic relief. Um, you know, I just you can't really talk about Lower Decks. It's just it's just a great show. That it's it's Star Trek. It's funny. You just watch it. You just kind of have a good laugh and a good giggle. Um, I love the way how it ended. So like Lower Decks coming back, and then we've got Star Trek Prodigy, which again is aimed at the younger kids. So like, if fans start, if older fans start giving out with Star Trek Prodigy, you're like Jesus, lads. You know, <laughs> this this is for kids. And today I heard that Playmates are back making. Star Trek toys, which is great because Star Trek are, is aiming themselves at a younger market. So you're like, whoa, brilliant, you know? So, hey, <laughs> you know what I mean? Great to have see Playmates back in the, the chair making Star Trek goodies. So, you know, it's it's win-win <laughs> at the moment. 
Yeah, well, actually, you actually beat me to my final question about Star Trek. The next thing I was going to ask you about was Lower Decks. How did you feel about Lower Decks? But clearly, it's, you've it's, already yeah. told me. Yeah, it, it's it's comic relief, and that's that's what you need. And it is exactly what you know it was set out to do. And it's 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 just so much fun. It's it's just a great show. Um, I have to say now, really, we had to wait a while to get it over here. But when it came out, it it was great. Just had to just kind of avoid Twitter for a while, and just when people were putting spoilers, especially the last episode uh, with some with, with Riker making the appearance, we kind of like damn, and the Titan, you're like damn, but like. He shows the love from Mike, you know, what a fan he is. And like, you know, to give us the Titan, <laughs> you know what I mean? And exactly how the Titan we have seen in magazines before should look pretty much was as it was on on screen, which is which is fantastic. So, yeah, no, it, it, it's just a great show. When I initially heard the concept of Lord Dex, I will admit to you for a half a second, I was terrified. Lower Decks to me was the pocket uh, of the Star Trek universe that I never knew I was missing, but now I can't live without. It's such what you're saying there is so true. I, I was nervous for this. I, I didn't think we could. And then we were at the ST, myself and two other friends of mine, Damien and Dave, were sitting there and saying, and Mike came on live stream and explained the whole concept of the show. And when I walked out of that, I was full of confidence and all of a sudden this was like a show I really, really wanted to see more so than Picard because I was always worried about Picard coming back. But when I heard about Lower Decks and when the creator described it, you're just there like, this guy knows Trek. This guy, you know, loves, eats, sleeps. You know, if someone's going to make it funny, it's definitely him. And, you know, kudos. The first season has just been amazing so already looking forward to season two and i think they've started season three already so fantastic i'm a fan of your podcast the nerdscape podcast and i know that you are huge into you love little ships and you're you're one of those people that are are addicted to excuse the language but you like ship porn right you love ships ship porn yeah so how did that how did that personally come about with you? Where, where did you get like the the addiction to building ships and and models and all that stuff? Um, initially, I think just I, I did a model model kit with my uncle at one point, and then all of a sudden, then came across and we're like, "Oh my god, Star Trek have model kits!" So like, made the original Enterprise at one point and. With that, then picked up the next generation kits back when I was younger and just, you know, just glued them together and whacked on the stickers and uh, not too much details. And then just reoccurred to get back into modeling. It, it been so much time and I went, yeah, well, sure, I know I had to put a model together. And then with the great thing about YouTube and stuff like that, there's so many great creators out there. Um Oh, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head now at the moment, but there's there's so much. And even Facebook as well. There's some great Star Trek model communities where people are just so great. Um, They'll go on, they'll show photographs, they'll give tips, help out. So then, you know, you just like once you have all that feed of information, you just are like happy days. So, yeah, the modeling has been fun, especially during COVID. And then the other thing you can't beat is buying pre-made models as well, which is fantastic. And Eagle Moss is certainly, 
you know, carry the mantle in that in that regard. And yeah, Star Trek fans are Star Trek fans. We're going to give out about every little detail in the ship. So I think at some points that's where I I do like modeling in the sense that, you know, you can be finicky as much as you can and you can just make the ship your way. And the only person that you can give out is yourself then if it doesn't (laughs) come up to spec. So are you building that new enterprise that Eagle Moss is actually shipping out to, to a bunch of people? Bit yes, by bit, I'm, and it'll take them a whole fucking year to finish the thing. Yeah, I am waiting. I have all the parts in a box, patiently waiting because I will be modding my kit. But I don't want to start doing anything until I have all the pieces. And again, with the communities out there, it's great because you're seeing people put the pieces together. You're seeing any problems that are might come along with the kit. But I, I'm gonna wait. Because if I want to upgrade the lighting or something like that, I just rather wait until everything's there and you know how it goes together. You know how the battery packs work. You know how the saucer section sticks together. So I've been well impressed with what has been arriving every month, I have to say. And I'm kind of jealous now. I like it. I'm getting a bit frustrated because I'm seeing so many people doing work and I've seen their like you know the whole sauce i'm like oh i want to start but no i just gonna i'm gonna stay patient i'm gonna i'm gonna steady i'm gonna stay with my course and then hopefully do it all over time i'm not gonna rush to do it but there's there's a few great after parts already showing up for it so you know i'm looking forward to that uh once you do have all the parts for the ship are you going to build it as a series on your youtube channel or are you just personally going to do it for yourself no, I'm personally going to do it for myself because it's it's yeah it's it's a bit of a challenge on on YouTube. I think my friend Damien has done a great job with doing his builds, and there is another World of Wayne is another one as well. So doing his weekly bits and pieces, and uh, the World of Wayne he is modding his kit, and Damien is building the Irish Trekkie. He is doing his kit as it's meant to come. So two great reference points to look, you know what I mean? And there's, there's multiple guys recording their kit bills. So plenty of options for people. And then there's, there's a, on Facebook, there's the USS Enterprise build from Eagle Moss or something. Um, and again, another great site. You can go in, look, and you just see all the tips. So I'm playing patient. That's, that's why I'm playing patient. And, uh, I will probably post photographs when it's finally built, but no, I don't think I'll be doing a, a video because it is a lot of money and I want to focus on it. So there's, and sometimes it can be a lot of effing and blinding and things when things don't go right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, if I, if, I, if I could afford two kits, maybe I might have done a, a series of build-alongs, but no, I, I, I'm just going to enjoy this one for myself. I, I don't know anything about model building, but for me to build models is kind of difficult because I kind of I'm I'm disabled, so it's kind of hard for me to build stuff. And actually, I was looking um, for somebody to build me a version of the Enterprise from the 2009 movie, but the the only guy that I could find was like seriously expensive, and I couldn't uh, I couldn't afford it. So I gotta maybe maybe sometime in the future when things get a little better. You know, for me personally, I'll be able to find somebody to build me that thing because I can't find like, 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 like 
uh, little models of it. I can't really find any models of it. Like, I'm not sure if Eagle Moss has any or whatever. Eagle Moss have released it as an XL. So just, I'm not too sure where they're at in the USA, but they're definitely a 2009 XL uh, model that was just released. And yeah, trying to get a model of the ship done, if if you're going to get going, can be quite expensive to buy because... Um, you know, there is a lot of time and effort put into building models. And then as well, if you're getting lights put in, you know, it it, it can be a bit pricey because, like, you don't just <laughs> glue them and put them together. There's mm-hmm. some kits you can do that and you just put decals on, it's fine. But, like, it can be quite pricey. And, like, if you put in hours that are involved... My best suggestion is just keep an eye on eBay. You never know. Someone might be just selling a model that they built and you could get lucky and you'll get it and you're like, yes. But uh, yeah, getting getting customized kits now it tends to be pricey. I remember seeing on Facebook like this, this one builder built a model of the USS Discovery and he put all fucking lights on on it it looked beautifully put it in glass and i'm like i could never build something like that and there's no fucking way that i could find somebody to build me that for on a budget and ship it to me in pieces i'm like that's impossible i can't do i can't do that um yeah you'd be amazed you'd be amazed actually um with just the community is just amazing what model works and stuff like that seeing how people creatively get small lights together, put all that detail in is absolutely unbelievable. And it just, there's a part where you just have to practice on your paintwork and practice on these bits and pieces. But once you get your soldering done and stuff like that, it it is quite doable. You just have to be very, very patient. That's the only key to any of this model build. But like some of the pictures that I've seen, and like I've seen some great models built of the 2009 with the buzzards going in that really, really cool blue and they have all the flashing lights and it's done the shuttle base. So, you know, people can just lose themselves in a model and what they come out with at the end of it is just fantastic. Do you have any thoughts on the Orville? Um, it was interesting. Um, Orville, Orville, Orville. First few shows, very, very funny. Um, then got serious. Um, I like it. It's 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 a sci-fi show. Um, I don't like why that's has to be a divide between like, oh, it's a rip-off of Star Trek and the whole lot. Like, the Orville's the Orville to me. It's another sci-fi show, you know, I don't get why people have to compare Star Trek and the Orville together. I think for me, I like both. Um, some of the episodes were a little bit tedious at some parts, but I, I was told to go back and rewatch from a friend, and I did. I went back and rewatched it. I went, you know, I, I actually enjoyed the show. So I'm looking forward to the next season. It's been a while, actually. Yeah, it's been more than a while. I've been, I've been chomping at the bit. From my understanding, they're still in post-production. The the Orville season three, it is so hard to get one solid update to like when we're going to see a trailer or or what's going on. It's like the most frustrating thing ever. 
Yeah, because it, it, it's, 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 I can't remember how long it's been since the last episode of the Orville aired. So it, it, there's a huge gap. I know COVID came along and messed yeah. a lot of things up. Yeah. And I think with it, like, I, it just seems to be that the Orville, they don't, don't want to split the, the gang up. They want to keep their art department and their crews together. So it, maybe that's some of the reasons where I know with Star Trek Discovery and stuff like that, a lot of guys were working from home and sending the things off and backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards to get the job done. Um, you know, we, it, it, it could be worth the wait. You know, uh, that's fingers crossed. You know, it, it is, it, look, any sci-fi show that you can sit and watch is great. Like, we're, we're starting to get spoiled for choice now, like with the likes of The Expanse, The Mandalorian, um, just, just so much good stuff out there, which, you know, is great, as opposed to, like, you know what I mean, having to go back and rewatch old shows. Mm-hmm. So, and ho- hopefully we'll get a new Stargate on the lines that since Amazon has bought over MGM, which is, uh, fingers oh, crossed. You can, oh, yeah, you can bet your ass we're eventually going to get a new Stargate. I wanted to ask you how uh, the Nerd the Nerdscape podcast uh, uh, came up came to be basically because i'm a fan i i I really think that you guys are among one of the most positive pockets of star trek fan uh discussion on the internet so how did that all start damien irish trek he was doing his youtube thing and i was thinking of doing something similar at the time and he got the head start and he started it. So like I just did reviews for fun anyway. He encouraged me to do a few reviews and we were just chatting to Twitter and then he says, do you want to do a show? I says, yeah, why not? We'll do a show. So at that point, we're just, I think started initially started reviewing the movies and then all of a sudden everything started coming together. Oh, we're getting a new Star Trek show. We're like, what? <laughs> it's like happy days. And then Linda jumped on board. So, Damien at the moment is a little bit missing in action because he is concentrating on family work at the moment, his family life, and he's doing work for Eagle Moss as in to build the D, which is great for the community. It's it's, uh, it's actually, I do think with companies like Eagle Moss and stuff like that, get fans involved for building stuff. Like, so for Damien to try and do stay on, on board with the Nerdscape while that's going on, because there's a lot of, and he, he's telling me like there's a lot of work involved in, trying to do a good build a model. That's one of the reasons why I kind of went, nah, I'm going to stay clear of this. Um, so Linda jumped on board. We had Linda, Linda, Linda. We, Linda, we've, we've met up two or three times now. Uh, Linda was originally in Dublin. So there's a Star Trek, uh, Starfleet International. And Linda was a member of US Kukul and so was Damien. So, we met up once or twice with some of their outings and then, you know, some of the, uh, we have a Dublin comic con, um, every year. So like we tend to annually meet up at that and it's gone two years now. So we've, we've always had good fun together. So we got Linda on board and she's been a breath of fresh air and it's been good crack. We miss Damien. We've changed the show around a little bit. We're going to, I have to do some editing and finish off one or two little bits and pieces for our last show for a little while. We're taking a break and um, we aim to come back with lowered X, but yeah, we, we, we've enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's nice as well with the absence of Star Trek that we like Damien came up with the nerd escape um, more so to discuss 
other sci-fi shows, which we never really got a chance because all of a sudden, every week, the build up to Discovery, then we had Discovery episodes, then we had Lower Decks, we had Picard. Um, so it's nice kind of like in the little break that we were able to finally start talking about, you know, what have we been watching? So myself and Linda being like, I think la- the, the up and coming podcast is going to cover The Expanse. Um, but like we've thrown in For All Mankind. Um, there's been a good few shout outs to other sci-fi shows that we we like, which is it, it's cool. You know what I mean? And then we, we do some Star Trek news um star trek sound of the week which is a bit of crack and uh we have Haley porter Haley Fre- frequency <laughs> so we throw on some ads as well just to, to, to change the show it's more like a kind of a breakfast chat radio style youtube show so just to have a little bit of fun <laughs> so uh we're looking forward to though uh getting back into reviewing episodes but it won't be kind of like a half an hour discussion of Lower Decks of E. Yeah, what we thought, what was a funny moment, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, no, we, we do enjoy the shows. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm really looking forward to hopefully a Comic-Con uh, coming up soon when it's safe to do so and catching up with Lynn and Damien in person because uh, we've we've always had a good good old crack at the, 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 the cons. And it was great to, I think one year... Yeah, I was one year I was over in London with Linda and a few other friends that we knew, know through social media. And then the following year, we had Damien without Linda, which was sad. But it'd be great to have us all at a big con together and a weekend away. So hopefully that will happen sometime soon. I had no idea uh, that Damien was was doing something with Eagle Moss. And I had no idea that actually you're basically doing the Nerdscape podcast now. So you're basically like putting everything together yourself. Yeah, no, and in fairness, a lot of the stuff Damien, Damien was doing all that for a long time, and it's just a side that you just like, you just got lazy, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's great when you have somebody else doing it, but then, yeah, it, it, it's become a little bit of a challenge with, with working life, and, and so with Damien doing his build-along thing and then trying to do a weekly show and then do his reviews at the same time is a lot of work. There's a lot of editing involved. So uh, with the show, it's grand. So like Linda's kids are just on holidays now. So like it was easier the way I work. If we recorded our shows in the morning, it just gave me more time that I could get, get things processed and, you know, put them together. So recently we haven't been able to do an early morning recording. So that kind of bunches up everything. So, you know, it's kind of like it's a big, massive pile up to try and get everything done. And I hadn't started back to work the last time with COVID. So I was able to get ahead and do like some of the stuff that we had pre-recorded, some of the skits and stuff. I had a stockpile of them. So it was kind of nice. We just do a record and put those sections into the show. But unfortunately that stockpile has ran out. So uh, yeah, um, looking forward to the break. Um, I know that I have a good bit of editing ahead of me for tomorrow to get the show up tomorrow night. So it'll be the last one for a little while. But again, there's, there's, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back on track to the weekly shows when uh, Lower Decks comes back. You don't need to tell me about the pressures of running a podcast because I have yeah. two podcasts and, uh, and, and a YouTube channel. So I, I feel your pain. What do you do uh, for a living, living? Okay. Uh, I work in the hospitality sector um, and I am a barman. So, 
very late, late hours, very unsociable times. So, but sometimes that works well. And sometimes it can be a nightmare. So with myself and Linda at the moment, it works really well because, as I said, when her kids are in school, we can do recordings at, say, 12 o'clock during the daytime. So, you know, yourself, once you get the thing, it processes on uh, Zoom or whatever, that, that's fine. You can leave it that day. And you can come back the next morning and say, right, Grant, I'm going to start putting our sound clips, putting all this together and, you know, walk away from the computer takes you an hour. So it's, it's great when you have that kind of start in the daytime. But yeah, uh, Barman, I trade for a long time. I've been, I've, I've recently stepped down from management because just, I just at that point in my life that was like, um, I just want to go in and just do a job and go home and not worry about people calling in sick or a customer complaint or anything. Just, you know, so uh, I have to say I'm quite happy with my lifestyle at the moment. I enjoy the job. It's a social job. You know, it, it's good crack. And unfortunately, we're not fully properly reopened yet. We're outside serving <laughs> and the weather in Ireland. We're not we're not a country designed for outdoor uh, dining or drinking and uh, last Tuesday it would probably be, have been one of the longest days of my life because we had a torrential downpour so standing in a job where people can only drink outside and you can you can only maximum when it's raining like that you have three tables <laughs> no one wants to drink in that rain so you're standing there for seven eight hours hoping that a customer comes along and keeps you entertained so uh yeah it was a it was a long one but we we've heard rumors that we could be back in the next 13 days back indoors so we're looking forward to that so you're like uh you so so you're like cork from 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 deep place nine yeah cork yes yeah, cork. <laughs> cork yeah look look looking for his morn <laughs> anyway last tuesday uh, what's your opinion on Ronald D. Moore's uh, BSG? Uh, look, it, it just blew me out of the water. Um, you know, Battlestar Galactica would be been, again, you know, you started watching TOS and then Battlestar Galactica, the old Battlestar Galactica, come on, you watched that. It was great. And it's funny, it's, somebody that worked on the new show said, if you go back and watch the old episodes, it's a bit crap. (laughs) So I went back and watched it. It's like, it's typical that style of TV and they're all right. But Battle Scarlet Galactic, the last thing was just amazing. It was well done. It was just so, they just, they Blew it out of the water. Um, and I love the redesigns of the ships. I love the way how they stayed true to the Viper. I loved the new Galactica. Um, the Cylon Raider, but I loved the way as well with Blood and Chrome and stuff like that. They brought back, you know, the classic Cylon Raiders and stuff like that. The, the classic Centurion, you're just there like, brilliant. It was just so well done. And I've, I, I, I did hear rumors and mumblings that hopefully we'll have a new Battlestar Galactica, but it's going to be tough. If if you're kind of sticking on the original format story of it, it's going to be a very hard one to be. But one of the shows I like very much is the West Wing from Aaron Sorkin. And when, when I tell people, when I try to get them into BSG, the first thing I tell them is it's like the West Wing in space. 
I just love that. I mean, it's a it's a common myth that when Ronald D. Moore was approached by Universal to do the reimagined Battlestar Galactica, one of his main reasons, this is a rumor, I don't know if it's confirmed, but it was like, one of the main reasons why I took the job in the first place was because I could finally do stuff on BSG that they would never let me do in Star Trek. Yeah. So um, I just, I just love the show. Like, like I said, I, I, I saw bits and pieces uh, of it when I was, uh, when I was in school, but now I just recently got it gifted to me by, uh, by, by two friends. I'm not long after a rewatch of Battlestar Galactica. And I just loved every minute of it again. It's just, it's brilliant. It's one that you can easily, you know. Yeah. If I watch it again in three years, I'll be hooked. I know, right from the get go. I just, just love it. I think it was so well done. Yeah, very, very. I love the politics in it, and it just worked so well. Let's think favorite starship <laughs> or favorite. Oh, All right, all right. Well, 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 well. Favorite starship would have to be. Um, I love. We're we're talking about we're talking about we're talking about Battlestar. So I love the Galactica. I just I just really think to me it's like it it's like a it's like a big um uh a space aircraft carrier. I think it's I think it's uh I think it's really awesome. It just looks really, really cool. Yeah, it's it's just so well designed, and I just like the way as well that the twist that they did with the show was instead of it being a brand new, super state of the art battle star that represented twelve colonies. No, it was a fifty year old. You know, it's getting retired. It's going to be turned into a museum. But it's just, it's like it's it, it's a tank. It is like it's exactly what it should be. You know what I mean? It it's not meant to look sexy like a star a federation ship but you know what i mean it is purposely built military craft and it's fantastic and i love the way they brought pegasus in and to change the story that no this is not going to be galactica sister ship this is going to be the new battle stars that are in service so uh galactica and pegasus i think the two of them together are absolutely fantastic Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm going to close out now. So I just want to close out by staying on the Ronald D. Moore train and asking you about uh, For All Mankind, because there is another Ronald D. Moore show that I love and it's like my uh, Game of Thrones, but I won't ask about that one because, uh, well, I could. I'll, I'll just I'll just see what you have to say about um, uh, For All Mankind. And then uh, if we have some time left, I'll ask you about that one just for shits and giggles. For all mankind is just so refreshing. I was delighted that when we, as I said, with the nerd escape and thing, what we're talking about, I'm delighted I was able to throw out and talk about for all mankind. I just think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I just like, okay, that they might have ripped from the man in the high castle. I don't care. I just think it's a brilliant, brilliant story. You know what I mean? As in, you know, you just, what if the Russians landed first on the moon? And just everything after that, like just seeing Saturn fives, the one B's taken off, you know, all the shots, just brilliant. I think the cast have been absolutely amazing. And just the season ending uh, with Nirvana playing, uh, <laughs> playing it out and landed on Mars just looks brilliant. So I'm dying for the next season. 
of yeah. Flaman and, and I hope we might get a few more. I just hope it's not going to end because we're up to the 90s. I'd like to see them push the envelope on this. And I, I, oh. I have to say, Pathfinder, what a job on Pathfinder. I love it. <laughs> that that thing is awesome. Like, like my favorite thing about For All Mankind Season 2 is they fucking did a, a, a blockade of the fucking moon in space. Yeah. I'm yes. like... That's, Brilliant. I mean, you know, yeah, it, very well done. Um, yeah, it just, it, it, I just think that the whole story has been so well done, and it, there's nice drama with it. it mm-hmm. It's a good show. Uh, who's your all-time favorite Star Trek character? Oh, Cisco. I think Benjamin Cisco. I just, I just loved the way that. I just thought I got more real with Cisco. I think Picard was like this. We've seen Picard lose his temper once or twice with some of the crew, but Cisco was more, you know, he took no crap. <laughs> he didn't take any shit. And I, I loved Cisco, you know, giving a bollocking to say Bashir, Dax, you know, O'Brien, Kira, you know, it was a little bit more realistic. So I I just I I think Cisco got great scripts. And I just think uh what what an actor. Mm. Uh, favorite uh, BSG character? Um, oh, be it or Starbuck or Ty. Okay. Uh-huh. Toss up between the three. I thought Ty's character was brilliant and the reveal that he was a Cylon. I liked that they changed from male to female for Starbuck. Just the, the mystery of her character towards the end is still a bit kind of a bit, but it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Adama, Adama, Adama. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna go Adama. He, he All right. All right. And this seems like a cop out because we just talked about it and it only has two seasons. Uh, your favorite for all mankind character? Oh, oh, he he passed away in the last episode. Oh, um, what was his name? Um, oh my! Oh my God, Gordo! Gordo! No I, way! I, you I, like Gordo too? Yeah, Gordo. To me, you know, I just loved the way you, you, we're going decade by decade. Gordo was a typical flyby, you know, womanizer. Mm-hmm. To pick up in season two, you know, he realizes that he was a jerk to his wife. And you know what I mean? I just loved the whole turnaround in his character. I just loved, I just loved the way they went with it. You know what I mean? Getting back up to space. I just, brilliant. Gordo, brilliant. And I'm just going to be devastated that he's not going to be in the next one. The, the last two really, really good characters, which is sad, but um, I, I still look, I, I, I still like the cast. I'm sure there's going to be some young, young blood in the next season, but yeah, Gordo, I'm going to miss Gordo and the ends. All right, guys. So on that note, thank you very, very much, Chris, for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. If uh, the good folks at home want to chat with you about Star Trek or anything else in pop culture, uh, where can they find you? Oh, on Twitter. And my hashtag is I am brutal at selling myself. (laughs) Ask the Trek Collector. Just drop the R. You'll find me there anyway. All right, guys. So that'll do it for this edition of the Red Wall Podcast, episode number 80, entitled The Trek Collector. If you guys like what I do here at all, I would appreciate a comment, a like, 
or subscribe on whatever podcast service you happen to be listening to me on at this very moment. But until next time, as always, I'll see you when I see you.